We're still in this series on faith and prayer, and we're going to start off in 1 John chapter 5. We've been saying that our God is a faith God, and we are his faith family. We are faith children of a faith God. And we have all been born, born again by faith. And the Bible says that we are to live by faith. By faith we live and move and have our being in Christ Jesus. So let's talk a little bit about miracles. If there are no miracles, well, then there's no reason for faith. Our, I, don't think, I don't think people realize how secularized everything has become. You know, when we come in here, we're in a faith bubble. And we talk amongst ourselves Bible talk. But when you go out there, <laughs> I mean, let me just give you one example. Can you name anybody except a minister who has spoken up in public about praying about this virus? See, it's, it's so secular. The whole idea of, now they pray ceremonially, you know, let's have a national day of prayer. But nobody expects anything to happen. I mean, think about what's happened to our country. You know, General George Patton was headed into a major battle, called the chaplain in, and told him how to pray. I mean, he needed an edge. And he expected something, or he wouldn't have done what he did. But the whole idea of asking God to intervene seems to be completely gone out the window. And it didn't begin in politics, it began in the seminaries. It began with the preachers. And frankly, a lot of what's going on in churches, you know, when they're open, is not Bible, it's pop psychology. So, I'm a miracle guy. Tell your neighbor, pastor's a miracle guy. So if there are no miracles, that means there is no God. And that means everything is for show. The denominations, I know I'm not going to name the denomination, it's the denominations who grew up in it. There are more members of Congress in that denomination than any other denomination, and I know they don't believe in miracles. They don't even believe in manhood. How could they believe in miracles? They don't believe in womanhood. We're talking about faith and prayer. When I go out that door tomorrow morning, I expect to be heard. And I expect to be answered. Now, it doesn't all happen on my timetable. Frankly, sometimes <laughs> big answers come ahead of little answers. You know, I'm, I'm not in charge. But I expect to be heard. And I expect to be answered. And amazing things are happening in my life that I, I'm not even going to discuss with y'all because people would say I'm nuts. But amazing things. Amazing, amazing responses to authority. So I think part of the situation we face is we're buffeted so we don't venture out. We're buffeted by this world. 
And that's where the annual Bible reading is so great because it doesn't matter how many times I've read the Bible. Every year I come across passages and I think, oh my gosh, I never saw that. You know, I'm ahead for 2021 because I'm marking up Bibles and giving them to grandchildren and I've got two born in the same time frame. So this year I have to have two to give away. And uh, so I'm, I'm in Deuteronomy. But I, when I came across this at the end of Genesis, I was staggered because I don't, I don't think I'd ever noticed it as many times as I'd read the Bible. Jacob prayed for the sons of Joseph. And then he pulled his feet up in the bed and he went to be gathered to his fathers. That's power with God. I mean, our nation is filled with places where they warehouse old people, and a lot of them are Christians. I don't know about you, but I want to have that kind of power with God. I can pull my feet up in the bed and go. Amen? Because I don't want to spend one day warehoused. You know, drooling, and you come to see me, and I don't, know, I don't even know who you are. I don't want to spend one day like that. Amen? I want to be sharp, then I want to go. Amen? But my point is, <laughs> what do you think would happen if there was a ball game, if people were at the mall, and you did a survey and asked them, how many people read the Bible through every year? What do you think it is, 1%? See, what I'm saying is, the, the country has become so secularized, and we have allowed that to seep into us. And... I think, was it Sunday or a week ago, Sunday, we talked about, that's why you have to be careful about casting your pearls before swine. And you get around the holidays, you just start talking to people openly about God did this and God answered that and this miracle happened. They're going to think you're crazy and they're going to persecute you. Because success has its enemies, prosperity has its enemies, but I'll tell you something else too, answered prayer has its enemies. Because if you dare to say, you prayed about something and God answered you. Well, that's convicting because nine, 99 out of 100 people out here would be willing to go to court and testify God ain't ever done anything for them. So the very fact that you claim God heard you and God answered you, it, it angers people. Amen. But my point is if there's no miracles, there's no God. What's the point of any of it? You know, people watch from all over the world. we got people watching, you know, Hong Kong, Singapore, Canada, all over the world. Let me tell you something. If you're going to a church and nobody ever gets healed, you better get out of there. Because you're going to a church where, where God doesn't show up. If you're going to a church where there's no miracles, what's the point? Now, I realize there are, are areas of the world where you might not find a church with miracles. But, you know, that's what moving is about. Amen. I got, I, got to be, I, got to pe I got to be where people know God. And I, I got to be where the family of God is. Of course, you can win them. You can win them and, uh, and start a family of God. Amen. People who say they believe the Bible to be the word of God, that is the God-breathed and inerrant word of God in the original, 
and then in the same breath say that the day of miracles is past are the most illogical thinkers and the most inconsistent believers the devil ever deluded. I could mention a denomination. It's the largest Protestant denomination in America, but, you know, not so much anymore, but used to. They all believed that the Bible was the inerrant word of God in the original, because you understand when you bring it from Hebrew or Aramaic or Greek over into the English, mistakes can be made. You understand that. But then they turn around and say, well, the day of miracles is over. That's crazy. How can you? Those are, those are two contradictory beliefs. Because there's nothing in there about miracles ending. There's nothing in there about the last apostle. Satan, has, Satan you understand, Satan is in the business of deluding. I mean, the very fact I read this survey, I don't know if it's accurate, but I read 71% of the people in this country believe that a mask will protect them. Well, if that's the case, why isn't everything open? If a mask will protect you, why isn't everything open? So logic is gone. And now, the liar-in-chief is saying that even when everybody gets vaccinated, people still have to wear masks. And people, the Bible is the easiest thing to believe in 2020. Amen. Say it out loud. The Bible, the Bible is the easiest thing to believe in 2020. You know, I just read two, two articles today. Somebody got the vaccine and died, and somebody got the vaccine and tested positive uh, eight days later. You can't believe anything these people are saying. Now, the Bible is the easiest thing to believe in 2020. Smith Wigglesworth was right. The Word of God is true, and everything else is a lie. Amen. So the devil is the, the deceiver of the entire inhabited earth and of that type of Christian in particular, that the day of miracles is over. I mean, if the day of miracles is over, why do people go to church? If, if the day of miracles is over, why would people pray? And maybe that answers the question. They don't. So my point is, let us reverently come back to God and let us let us read the Bible, let us meditate on the Bible, and let us begin with the presupposition that it's true, and then see what God will do. Now, what we're really talking about is taking our place. When we pray, we expect our prayers to be answered, and when that prayer is answered, God has done it, and if God has answered prayer, he has performed something outside the realm of reason and human understanding. Any answered prayer, you understand this, any answered prayer is a miracle from God. Any answered prayer. Because when you get any answer to any prayer, that proves to you that God is alive and that he hears and that he answers. Any answer to any prayer is a miracle. 
I believe in miracles. I believe in divine intervention. I believe that the prayer of faith reaches God our Father, and when it reaches Him, He acts in response to faith. 1 John 5, 14, 15, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. I like to read it this way. If we ask anything according to His word, because how do we know His will? His will is His word. His word is His will. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, whatever we ask, whatever we ask, whatever we ask, somebody might say, well, how can, how can the Bible make such a broad promise? Well, because you've got to ask according to His will. You know, I'm in Deuteronomy in my annual Bible reading, and over and over and over in the Old Testament, God says, Moses, God says through Moses, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Well, I'll tell you one thing. <laughs> There's churches, and they got faith in the name, and they never bothered to reopen. Well, they're, they're not living by the word of God. They're living by the word of Fauci. And not only am I not afraid, you're not afraid. Do you understand? Man, I mean, even he says repeatedly, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. In my, how long has it been now? 76, 40? What is that? 44 years in the ministry? Is that right? There's just not been enough regard for the Word of God. It's all about the Word. The Word, the Word, the Word. I can hear Kenneth Hagin. The Word, the Word, the Word. Just stay with the Word. It's all about the Word of God. And if you can't find it in the Word of God, maybe you ought not be praying about it, and maybe you ought not be doing it, and maybe you ought not be uh, practicing it. Let me give you one quick example. You go to 66 books of the Bible. There's not one example of a prophet ever prophesying that a king would rise or a king would fall and it didn't come to pass. But we've got so-called faith people and they get every other election wrong. And you would think after one or two or three, you just stop it. And they just, they just keep on. See, in other words, if you don't see it in the Word of God, maybe you ought not be doing it. Whatever it is. You know, and I thank God for my heritage. I mean, you know, I grew up in a church, M.D. Beale, man, she was, she was a Bible preacher. And then the first father in the faith I ever came across, Finus Jennings Dake, man, he was just totally, completely, absolutely a word guy. Then Lester Sumrall, absolutely, totally, completely a word guy. And that's why showmanship's not my thing. But if you were really, really, really sick, who would you go see? A showman? Or Pastor Gene? 
See, because at the end of the day, maybe not today, but there's going to come a time in our lives when we're going to need God. And uh, a cool haircut won't cut it. Do you understand? Not when you need God. See, the thing I'm trying to communicate tonight is I'm not teaching faith and prayer because I should, I ought to, I'm a pastor. No, God answers. But he answers when you approach him in a certain way. When you approach him in the name of Jesus and when you approach him based on his word. So you can approach him other ways, but it won't result in answered prayer. Now, I always have to clarify, I'm not talking about fellowship. A lot of times I step out that front door and, and I just can't help myself. I'm not really praying. I'm just spending, you know, some time telling the Lord how much I love him, how much I appreciate him, you know, and, 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 and uh, sometimes I recite my fathers in the faith or the pastor I grew up under. That's fellowship. And I guess you could call it prayer, but to me it's not prayer, it's fellowship. Do you understand? So, and, and you could talk to the Holy Spirit, you can talk to Jesus, you, you know, just, you know, fellowship. But that's not praying to get your answers. If you want an answer, well, you have to go to God the Father in the name of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what gives you access. And then you have to pray based on the Word of God. Just can't make stuff up. See, we live in the generation of just make stuff up. 15 days to flatten the curb. Oh, no, 30 days. Up, up, up. I mean, they're just making it up. And we accept it. Well, you can't approach God on the wing. On the fly. Well, I think. That doesn't work with God. Amen. We have to approach him on the basis of his word. See, I want you to be effective when you pray. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his word, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. How can we know that we have what we ask of him? Because of what this promise is predicated on. We're praying according to his word. We're praying according to his will. See, if I, go, if I go before Father God in the name of Jesus, well, I have his attention already because there's no, there's no other name more precious to him. And then I, I present my request on the basis of his word. How could, if he denies me, he's denying himself. Can you see that? If he denies me, he's denying Jesus. If he denies me, he's denying his, his self. So when, when I pray, I just can't wing it. I, there's, a, there's a process. There's a procedure to it. When Father God acts in response to our faith, his action is above our reason. For he operates in the realm of faith, the realm of miracles. Faith causes a man to act like God. Now, this is problematic. Because I know plenty of people act like God, but they, man, they ain't got no faith. We got a lot of governors acting like God.
So that's not what I'm talking about. We had a pastor visit. We had special meetings years ago. This was 25 years back. You don't know who I'm talking about. And uh, he came, I guess, on Monday night or Tuesday night, a non-church night for him and sat at the back. I saw him, but I didn't pay any attention to him. You understand that. We don't pay any attention to celebrities. We just don't. Now, if missionaries come in or something like that, we might mention them, but we, we don't pay attention. I'm just not going to do it because of the book of James. And so I saw him back there, but I ignored him. And, uh, but I heard this story later. I thought it was so great. He motioned for one of my ushers and said, I, I'd like a glass of water, please. And I thought the usher's response was so great. I mean, Bible training really pays off because the usher said, well, sir, Jesus we know and Dr. Gene we know, but who are you? <laughs> Amen. And then he was polite. There's a water fountain out there. Amen. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about lording it over people. See, Jesus, again, if you don't see it in the Bible, maybe you ought not be doing it. How did Jesus conduct himself? He didn't go around town saying, I'm the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You better be doing what I say. See, because that'd be like being the governor of New York or California. That's not how he acted. But when he came across somebody with a withered hand, he acted like God. You see the difference? That's what I mean. When, when I say act like God, that's what I'm talking about. He came across the leper. He acted like God. That's right. I'm not talking about bossing people around or ask anybody. Ask any of these ushers. Ask anybody. Nobody ever holds the door open for me and I don't say thank you. Anybody, do, I mean, anybody does anything, anything for me, I say thank you. I, I take nothing for granted. I, it's not godly to lord it over people and act like the big cheese. Because we don't see Jesus doing that in the four Gospels. So when I say act like God, I'm not talking about these, what Rand Paul Senator Rand Paul calls these little dictators. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about casting out devils. I'm talking about healing the sick. So I'm talking about act like God. And then there's a time where you can't really do anything. You know, when you go to jail, you go to prison, those steel doors close behind you. I mean, you, you, <laughs> what are you going to do? You can comfort them. You can do what Jesus said. You can go visit them. But that's all you can do in that situation. So, faith causes a man to act like God, and love makes a man like God. <laughs> There's a lot in those two sentences. Faith causes a man to act like God, and love makes a man like God. I've met a bunch of Christians. I came across one the other day on social media, a real snake of a woman. And uh, she, it caught my attention because somebody that I knew from the past followed me, a minister. And then I just looked down the, her, her timeline a little bit and I saw this snake of a woman there. 
And uh, I've come across plenty of people that didn't act like God. They weren't like God. I mean, we can have disagreements, but there's no excuse for ever intentionally trying to hurt another child of God, actually another human being, or to intentionally hurt a ministry. But man, they're out here by the millions. Vindictive, mean-spirited. So they have no love. They got no love. See, love makes a man like God. Love in a man's heart makes that man like God. Effective prayer leads the believer into an excursion into the supernatural realm. And this is why one thing that happened in my life when we reread Oral Roberts' book, October of 2017, The Miracle of Seed Faith, and I started making a list of miracles, I don't know. Did I get more miracles? I don't know. Did they happen faster? I don't know. Or was I just paying attention now? I don't know. But I know this, for many, many years, I, it was my habit. We used to keep a safe deposit box in a bank, and it was my habit whenever I went to that safe deposit box, you understand, like if we were buying a house or selling a house or if I needed some insurance papers or whatever, it, it was my habit. Whatever my prayer list was in those days, I'd leave it in the safe deposit box. And over time, there was a stack of them. And uh, there came a time when we didn't need that anymore, and I took Austin with me, and we cleared out that safe deposit box, and I showed him that stack. And there was not, there was not an unanswered prayer in any of the lists. Now, they didn't all happen quick. Some, some happened quick. Some, but, but my point is, that was a list of miracles. See, any answered prayer is a miracle. The very fact that God heard you and God answered you, that's a miracle. But my point is, when, when, I, when I did what all Roberts said, number three, step number three, expect a miracle, and I began writing them down, I don't know. Did, they, did I get more miracles? Did they happen faster? Or was I just now paying attention? And I know this. I know this. It's in my notes. I'd have to look at a previous message. But one day in prayer, the Lord spoke to me about rereading that book and so many miracles since October of 2017 and his number was different than mine his number was higher than mine so I think uh, two other things happen I think that God is doing miracles for us and we don't notice and I think this also God is performing miracles for us and we won't even know about it until we're in heaven I mean how would we know if God sent a, drug, a drunk driver down some other road. See, in other words, we wouldn't know God did that. When we get to heaven, we, we would find out. Well, God, that was a miracle. There was a drunk driver headed our way. God told them to turn left or right or whatever, get out of our way. We wouldn't even know about that. And I'll tell you something else too. Number, uh, Leviticus and Numbers, God really doesn't like complaining. So here I am talking about miracles maybe we have not even noticed, and yet how many Christians are out here complaining? 
He really doesn't like complaining. He'll kill you for it. So maybe we would just do better to be grateful. Here within the last 30 days, I've, I think in two different messages I've talked about, stop talking about what you don't have and start thanking God for what you do have. Because see, when we, when, we com- when we talk about what we don't have, what are we really doing? We're complaining. And people do that as an excuse to not tithe and not give. They're really complaining about what they don't have. And when you go to Father God based on His Word, all of His ability is at your disposal. How can He deny Himself? Look at John 16, 23. In that day you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Oh my gosh, this right here is offensive. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Yeah, I'm enjoying everything God did for me. Amen. All the words of Jesus and all the other words of the Bible are Father's words. So when you pray using God's promises in the language of biblically-based faith, you approach Father God with His own words on your lips and you are making your appeal on the basis of His own word. Hence, He literally cannot refuse you. He can't refuse you. It'd be like one of my grandchildren saying, you know, Grandpa, you promised to take us to Andy's. Well, I'm not going to not make my word come to pass. Do you understand? So I think part of the thing is we have, part of our situation is we have not taken the place that belongs to us. Just the other evening, it was either in Leviticus or Numbers, I noticed and I highlighted and I highlighted again. God calls the children of Israel his servants. Well, we are not his servants. We are his sons. What most believers have never done is taken a son's place in the family of God. You're not a servant. You're not a slave. You are a son. You are literally taking Jesus' place, acting in his stead, doing the Father's will in the absence of your elder brother Jesus. But we haven't seen that. We have allowed, we have allowed ignorant preachers to turn us into beggars. Yeah, let me say that again. We have allowed ignorant preachers to turn us into beggars. Father, can you spare a dime? Now, I am, I am his child, and I operate in the stead of my elder brother, the Lord Jesus Christ, in his absence. That's an astounding thing to say, but that is absolutely correct according to Pauline theology. He said, my authority I give you. Why would he give you authority if you weren't supposed to use it? And and why would we be beggars if he gave us authority? Say, Satan. Satan. (laughs) You can't talk to Satan like, you know, you're a wimpola. Say, Satan. Satan. Take your hands off my money. Take your hands off my money. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
I'm talking about, I mean, what's the point of authority if you don't exercise it? And you, you can do that with your, say, Satan, Satan take your hands off my body. In Jesus' name. You know, here within the last fortnight, you know, I had symptoms I hadn't felt before and I knew what to do, but I was thinking, you know, I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. I wasn't concerned about it. And, uh, but you know, the Holy Spirit's so kind and so gracious. And I thought, okay, so, you know, it's cold. So, I, man, I got to put on my coat and do all that. I just go outside, start dancing and laughing. Satan, you, you don't think you're going to put that on me, do you? And just laugh. And you got to start by putting it on. I mean, you might be one of these people that walks around laughing all the time, but I, I'm not. So, you know, I, I got to like start out putting it on. But, but while I'm dancing and while I'm putting on a laugh, well, by and by, there's an anointing comes for laughing. And, and I say, say, you don't think you're going to put this off on me, do you? And the symptoms just go away. They just go away. They just go away. Amen. See, in other words, I'm not a beggar. Tell your neighbor, you're not a beggar. Not a beggar. Tell the neighbor on the other side, you're not a beggar. By his word, Father God bore you as his son, his daughter. This is the work of God. It's not your work. You didn't save yourself. So when you take the place of a son, you're not reaching. I think that's the beef. Really, I do. I think that's it. You know, that I just believe God for so much and poor old God's running short and he can't give you anything else because I just bankrupted him. It's ridiculous. It's ridi it doesn't matter how much any of us believe for. God's not going to run out of healing. God's not going to run out of money. God's not going to run out of blessing. And they think you're reaching. How can his son reach? You know, I... This was years ago. I came to work one day, Tuesday, and, you know, hardly anybody tells me anything because you know what they figure? I'll tell you exactly the way people that work for me think. You know how they think? They think everything is going so great. Leave him alone. Let him pray. Let him study the Bible, and, and everything is going great. So that's what they're thinking. So I come to work one day, and I find out Austin fired somebody. Okay. I didn't think a thing of it. That's a son's place. See, you cast the devil out of somebody. You think God's going to come along and second guess you? Well, I don't know that you really should have cast the devil. I mean, on that situation, you know, maybe you should have consulted me and gotten my permission before you cast that devil out. What are you thinking? Or lay hands on somebody? Well, did you ask the Lord if you should do that? No. I read the Bible. Do you understand? So you take a son's place. See, do what Jesus would do. Where did that go? WWJD. Well, I'll tell you one thing, he wouldn't mask up and stay. If he didn't socially distance from lepers, and you weenie preachers, where's the red light? You weenie preachers. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. You weenie preachers. 
Sissies. I mean, think about it. He laid hands on lepers. And there ain't no vaccine for lepers. He was not afraid. There's a guy down the road. Laid, this year, laid hands on people wearing rubber gloves. How's the anointing going to get through rubber gloves? I'm ashamed of them. So maybe we ought to bring, now I'm not saying we need these, you know, I'm not saying get them in the cafe, WWJD, but that would have, that would have helped us in 2020, wouldn't it? He wouldn't be hiding. Well, I only have three and a half years here, but you know, I, I got a quarantine. So, you know, you all, you all are, you know, you're just out of luck for, you know, 24 months or whatever. That's ridiculous. The behavior. See, and when God's men are afraid, why would we be shocked when God's people are afraid? You know, Ray Jean Wilson is a friend of ours, pastors in Orange County, and, and they've been blessed because it doesn't matter what Newsom's doing because the county sheriff there is conservative. He's not enforcing anything. And... Uh, Somebody was telling him about churches shutting down and he burst out laughing. He said, well, you don't know word of faith people. They're just holding church. Because, see, they're, they're Bible people. They actually read the Bible. They actually believe in prayer. They actually believe. They God answers prayer. I, I, what I'm trying to say to you tonight is you don't even realize how unusual it is in 2020 in American society to be a, a Bible believer. Even among Christian people, what do you think we're talking about, Austin? 3%, 5%? To actually believe this stuff. But I'll tell you what's about to happen. He's going to leave us here for a little bit of a more a little bit more of a season. And the people that are not afraid and the people who believe his word are going to walk in greater power than this generation has ever seen or known. And it's going to it's going to arrest the attention of this world. That's what's about to happen. That's what's about to happen. And <laughs> whatever miracles we have experienced in this church in 2020, as wonderful and as great as they have been, will pale in comparison to the miracles that God is going to do in this church and for this congregation in 2021. Because God is going to show out before he takes us out. Amen. 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 
This was the year of Malachi 3.18. You will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. But it was not a consummation of Malachi 3.18. It was the beginning of revelation on Malachi 3.18. And we will in 2021 walk in such prosperity that it will stagger even us. Now, not that 2020 has not been fabulous, not that we haven't had a, a boatload of miracles, but the miracles that are coming to this congregation in 2021 will be of such a magnitude that you will have trouble recollecting and remembering what God did in 2020. And they will come so fast, they will be so profound, they will come with such ferocity that it will be as though it's normal every day to walk in the power and the miracle power of God. That's what's coming. I know it. I saw it. Because God, he wants to win this world. He, how is he going to win this world? If there's nobody operating like the younger siblings of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, if no one's praying, if no one believes in the Bible, if no one believes in prayer, if no one's taking action on the Word, how is anybody going to be saved? And even Hollywood knows what's coming. Disaster movie after disaster movie after disaster movie. I mean, all you got to do is look on iTunes and you know what's coming. You know, we're talking about meteors. We're talking about lockdowns. We're talking about totalitarianism. We're talking to, I mean, they know what's coming. When the restraining force is removed. Now, they don't know that. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. You cannot remove the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is just as present tonight on Saturn as he is in this room. You cannot remove the Holy Spirit from anywhere in the universe at any given point in time. So it can't be the Holy Spirit removed from planet Earth. It's something else. It's the body of Christ. And God doesn't want us operating the way that has been normal or typical for God's people for here for a number of years. And I'll tell you something else too. You know, you can have your cool haircut and you can have your $3,000 sneakers and you can have your jogging outfit and you can do broadcast from your living room and your pajamas. You can do all of that. But when this world needs healing, they're not coming to you. They're going to find somebody who knows how to talk to God and get an answer. Do you understand that? Power. They're going to be looking for somebody who has power with God. See, you are the fruit of his word. You came into being by his power and by his ability. You received eternal life by his nature. So it's time to recognize your place in Christ. 
You're, you're to be acting the part of a son, not a servant. The unsaved world out here must know what he has done for them in Christ. And so you are to be taking his ability, doing your part in the saving of men, just as Jesus did his part. And whether you recognize it or not, you now belong to a supernatural order of being. It's time to stop allowing the circumstances of life to push you around. Whether you take your place or not, you now belong to a supernatural order of being. What a shame it is that most believers spend their entire lives kicked around by the devil. It's unnecessary. Amen. We have authority we know not of. A couple of trips back, I was out walking, and whenever I'm walking in Missouri, you know, Derek says, you know, take one of these guns. No, I don't need a gun. I don't want to cause a problem with one of his neighbors. And so I'm out walking, and this dog charges me, a big dog, and he charges me. I mean, he's charging. I deliver newspapers, and I know what a dog looks like when it's charging. And I spoke to it, and I said, you keep it up, and I'll kill you. He just kept charging. And the second time I said, you better stop, I'll kill you. And he kept charging. And I said, you need, to, you need to not approach me, I'll kill you. And he just stopped. Then he walked with me, praying like he was my dog. <laughs> then the last time we're up there, the lady of the house let this same dog loose. And man, he comes bolting out of there. And I just pointed at him and he stopped. You know, he's 100 yards away. I just did this, he stopped. And he went back in the house. We, we have authority we don't even know about. Well, what did you mean? You'd kill him. I'd, I'd just call him dead. If that didn't work, I know how to kill a dog. Amen. That's another... Illustration for after the rapture when church attendance doesn't matter. <laughs> I was a paper boy. You get attacked. But we have authority. Amen. We have authority. Amen. So don't let symptoms take a hold of you and then a week later seek advice. The moment something starts to take hold of you, exercise your authority. And with your children, don't let symptoms lay a hold of you and take charge of you. You have authority. And then others. How do you know what will happen if you don't pray? I mean, we don't even know what miracles God might do, but we're afraid to pray. Now, you can't force yourself on somebody. The way I like to do it is say, would you like for me to pray? And if they say yes, well, then they can't complain about me praying. I even do that when I go in a hospital. Would you like for me to pray? Because some people, you know, uh, it's a relative of somebody. They're not even saved. They don't feel comfortable with that. It's cool with me. You know, stay here. So... My, the way I approach it is, would you like for me to pray? Yeah, I'd like for you to pray. Then I pray. But we don't know what God would do if we don't venture out. We don't know how God would answer if we don't venture out. So when you enter the throne room of God in Jesus' name, speaking to Father God in the words of his Bible, 
You have all the ability of God dwelling in you. You literally come to a place in God where you carry his presence. Where you go, he goes. Where you go, God goes. When you enter the throne room of God in Jesus' name, speaking to Father God in the words of his Bible, you come to have the wisdom that Jesus had in his earth walk because Jesus has been made unto you wisdom. And we need to all of us begin to think of ourselves as linked up with his ability, his wisdom, and his power, his omnipotent power. And this was T.L. Osborne's secret. T.L. Osborne just came to see through the ministry of Billy Branham and through uh, reading the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, T.L. Osborne just came to see himself as a partner with God and that God's ability was his ability. And that's all it was. That's all it was. The problem is, it's too wonderful. And that's our issue. It's too wonderful. So, you know, we're almost at January. So when you start your Bible reading for 2021, just as you turn the pages, say to yourself, the word of God is true and everything else is a lie. And, uh, and then think about it. Think about it, man. I just read about Moses. If God could do all of those miracles through Moses with no Bible, no Bible, no Jesus, no Holy Spirit, well, what can God do through you? I mean, you know, with Abraham, it was an occasional miracle. But when you get to Moses, it's miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, and he had no Bible. He didn't have the blood of Jesus, and he had no Holy Spirit. Now, the Spirit was on the earth, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit had not come. I say to you, without apology, that we have come here to the foothills of the tribulation. This is not the tribulation. The, these are like the foothills leading up to the mountains, the tribulation. And we have come here for such a time as this. And if the angels of God had asked God back then in those days, Father God, you know, once Adam sinned and once Adam and Eve were thrown out of the garden, Father God, who will you send first? Well, I'm going to send Noah. And then they might have said, Father God, who will you send after Noah? Well, I'm going to send Abraham and his son Isaac and his son Jacob and his son Joseph. Well, Father God, who are you going to send after the patriarchs? Well, I'm going to send Samuel. Well, Father God, who are you going to send after Samuel? Well, I'm going to send David and Elijah and Elisha. And then, Father God, who are you going to send after that? Well, I'm going to send Shiloh, the one who was foretold from old, the Savior of the world. Yeah, but we know what that plan is. They're going to put him to death. Who are you going to send after that? Well, all those apostles, Philip the evangelist and Stephen, but looking down through the ages, Father God, who are you going to send at the end? Who are you going to trust with the end? The last generation to lift up the light of the word and to declare to the peoples of the earth 
that there is a God in heaven and he is alive and he is true. And when the angels asked that, Almighty God called your name and Almighty God called my name. Amen.